You've always had what it takes to make it happen. And we know the right tools can make it easier. At Strayer University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program. So you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. Welcome to the Revolution Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today on this early Monday morning. Going to go ahead and let everybody know this is not going to be a super, super long episode. I I don't know if you can tell or by listening to him, starting to develop a little bit of a cold due to some weather changes. So I didn't want to leave everybody with without an episode on this Monday, but I wanted to make sure we at least had something. So it's just going to be a little bit shorter. That way you don't have to listen to me all stuffed up and and nasty but anyways moving on from that we're just going to talk a little bit about today kind of just talk about a couple of games from the college football weekend and some of the just one game from the NFL like I said got to cut it a little short today and just a couple like two small topics in politics today and then we'll have a full-blown episode Wednesday I mean Thursday excuse me that all episodes come out at eight o'clock so be looking for that Thursday we're going to have an NBA special that's kind of going to have just the NBA talk and sports kind of break down as the preseason kicks off kind of break down some teams and some stuff that we're watching for this season and what we think is going to happen, give you a little bit of predictions and just how we think things are going to play out. So that's going to be Thursday, so be looking forward to that. And then we'll keep you updated this week. There's a lot of developing stuff going on with the infrastructure talk and the the – $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill that the Democrats are trying to pass. So just a lot of different stuff going on this week that we'll try to keep you updated with throughout the week uh, as well. So like I said, that's going to be Thursday, the NBA special, and some stuff on that. But for this one, just a, just a couple things we're going to run over real quick. Not going to go too in-depth to, to everything, but going to talk about real quick. The first NFL game, or the only NFL game we're going to talk about is Tampa Bay versus New England. This game was very, very neck and neck, kind of went back and forth for the most part. But Tom Brady survives in his his return to Foxborough against his former coach Bill Belichick, and it was just a, I mean it was a good matchup. But I think a lot of it came down to is that Tampa Bay just had so many miscues. Brady looked off. He only went twenty two of forty three. He just he didn't even have a passing touchdown anything like that. But they got some help on the ground from Leonard Fournette. They were able to get ninety one yards off of twenty one. I mean twenty carries from him. So they looked they looked all right. I guess you say they got the win. They advanced to three and one. So. And they're not complaining, obviously. And, you know, Brady's happy winning against his former coach and against his former team after well, this, with this being his first time returning. So they survive off of a missed field goal from the Patriots kicker. And Brady also went in this game and surpassed Drew Brees as the, the NFL's all-time leading passer in yards. So obviously we knew stuff like this was going to happen with him playing as long as he has and as well as he's continued to play. So even late or getting later into his 40s, he continues to just ball out and continue to look like the best quarterback we've seen in the league. And you can just see it. He may not have the, the physical capabilities that he used to have, but he's just so smart and understands the game and what's going on. So cerebral. And it's just translated later into his career, which is something special to watch and see how 
he continues to win football games, continues to look good, continues to break records like this, and sure he's going to continue to pad that pad that record even further. Which the rate he's going and the way he's talking, he's you know going to keep playing and not losing a step. That record may be untouchable here in a few years. So who knows? But it, that was a it was a fun game to watch. If you watched another thing, I want to talk about from this game though that I think was interesting to me that I enjoyed seeing, and I knew it was going to be this way. I didn't understand why he fell so far in the draft, but Mac Jones for the Patriots, and obviously. Bill Belichick, he drafted Brady late in the draft. I know I'm saying that there's two different lates, talking about late, you know, late rounds with Brady, but with Mac Jones, he really slipped down to, I think it was the 15th spot, so later in the first round after winning the national championship and just breaking record after record in the SEC, being able to throw the ball around like he did just in his, his only year starting at Alabama. And so now he's up here at New England, and he's just done a fantastic job in this game. You could just see the poise, the confidence that he plays with. He's he understands the system. He understands his 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 wide receivers. Just the the whole system he understands. And obviously, you know, Belichick. He's happy to have have him there. It's almost like you can see a little bit of the same type of same type of player that Brady is in Mac Jones, just a younger version. And this is just me and my opinion. And obviously, not a lot of people are going to talk about this yet but Mac Jones has the potential to be the type of player like Brady does someone that can prolong his career he's smart he I mean he just looks like a younger version of Brady and obviously right now he's gonna be more athletic and have more physical capability so I mean if he can continue to improve the way he does he's gonna be have he's gonna have a really really long successful career and have a have a name that everyone talks about later on down the line so it was just a really fun game to watch, see the you know the emotions that there were and going back and forth in this game and just it, with the weather conditions it obviously made it a little bit tougher and that's probably attributes to some of the struggles that Brady had but to see Mac Jones go 31 for 40 in that type of weather and just look the way he did was very very impressive. So, like I said, moving on from that game, I'm gonna go over and talk about the just three quick games from the college football weekend. Kind of recap real quick what went on with those games. First, one we're going to talk about Cincinnati and Notre Dame. He had number seven. Cincinnati took down number nine. Notre Dame at Notre Dame, and Cincinnati moves up in the polls, and they can have put themselves in a prime position for later on during the year for the college football playoff. And we all knew going into this game, like I said in my my preview and prediction podcast episode this past Saturday, that whichever team really won this game puts themselves in a position where they can they can really have a good shot at making the playoff because both of their schedules. Obviously, we know we know Cincinnati plays in a conference. Notre Dame does not, but they both don't have the the. The schedule, or for Notre Dame, you also don't have the conference championship game to kind of help get you over that line. If you know, if you have that one loss, and for Cincinnati, they don't have the schedule to help to push them over if they had that loss. So this was really, like I said in that that episode, this was really a make or break game for both teams, and both teams obviously came out and fought, did what they were supposed to. But Cincinnati, their defense was really was really good, and obviously, I think some of that had to come down to Notre Dame's quarterback struggles because with Jack Cohen with the injury and. We saw a little mix of the third string pine in there and how he looked. He didn't look all too great, but Cincinnati, they do have a good team. My only question is is when if they get into the playoffs later in the year, like I said, they're in a prime position too. Are they going to be able to have the offense that matches up with a team like Georgia or Alabama's defense? And so 
that's my only concern with them. Their defense looks good. It was good last year when they played Georgia in the bowl game. Uh, but for them, I mean, obviously Desmond Ritter for them has been phenomenal at quarterback. He does a real good job. He's smart. He, you know, he can throw the deep ball. He can, he's a good player. He's um, he can run the ball. He's dual threat. So you have that, and that helps against those types of defenses. But what you're seeing out of those other two teams and what they only did against Notre Dame, only getting 24 points against them, you wonder how they can compete against the teams, these other teams that have high-level offenses along with these high-level defenses. So for them, it's going to be interesting to see how their season goes. Like I said, if they can go undefeated, they're, they're probably sitting at a four spot for the playoff. And note uh, for Notre Dame, this is like I said, kind of just the the season breaker kind of puts them outside of the playoff. They can probably sneak back into the top ten at some point with them only falling in the the middle level of the the ten to twenty range in the latest AP poll. But they're going to have to obviously win games and stuff like that. But I just don't see them having enough unless a lot of shakeup happens to be able to get into that to that one through four four range to be able to get a spot in the playoff. So it's. It's you know if you're Notre Dame it sucks but we all have seasons where this type of stuff happens but if you're Notre Dame I just think really feel like you need to get in a conference because if you're playing an ACC schedule like they did last year during during the pandemic and what was going on with that it worked out well for them they played lower level teams but they also had to play some teams that you know have that are blue blue collar schools schools that uh, blue blood schools excuse me that you know like Florida State and teams like that that really look good on a resume even if they aren't that great so for them they definitely need to get in a conference because that one loss could be something that you could look later on down the line if they you know Notre Dame gets gets healthy with Jack Cohn at quarterback and they go on and they dominate their season like I said they don't have that conference championship game but if they were in the ACC and they do they do and they end up winning it obviously it looks good they end up being 12 and 1 and they have a good shot of walking into a playoff spot but like I said being independent you do not have that the best you can go is 11 and 1 and it really just puts you on the outside looking in so for them that's something that they definitely got to consider I know a lot of fans have said that. A lot of Notre Dame fans themselves have said that, and it, I, I just I really don't understand it. I mean, I, I don't at all. It worked out really well for them last year, and they almost ended up winning the, the ACC championship last year, obviously. But Clemson blew them out. But they, I mean, they were right there at it. So, like I said, though, I, it just would make more sense, and they need to do something like that. If not they're going to continue to have stuff like this happen where you lose one game and your season's over with. So they'll tell you otherwise. They feel like they still got a shot to compete if, you know, they get healthy and all that. They don't. I mean, you're not – you got Georgia and Alabama that are going to be at one and two. You got, I mean, probably Iowa that's going to be sitting there or Penn State. And then you got Oklahoma. You don't know if they're going to lose yet or not. And Ohio State starting to look better. So, I mean, you got all these teams that are in front of them that are sitting well ahead of them. They haven't lost games yet. That don't look like they have a possibility of losing to either possibly one game or zero games. So, I mean, for them, it's just they'll, they'll say that. They'll say that they have a shot. They don't. So, this was really, like I said, a killer game. But for Cincinnati, you know, you're happy for them. They look, they look good in this game. But, like I said, the only thing I have with them, the only question mark is, is that offense going to be good enough against some of these high-level defenses and be able to keep up with their offenses as well because we all know some of these teams have high-level offenses as well. So that's something to to look forward to. But moving on from there, we're going to move over to Alabama and Ole Miss real quick and talk about them. But everybody looking at this game, including myself, thought Ole Miss had a shot in this game, thought they might have had the potential to knock off Alabama and shock the world with their offense. That was averaging almost 630 yards a game. But 
that was over with real quick, fast in a hurry. Within probably, I'd say, about the first quarter, we knew that wasn't going to happen. Alabama's defense came out. Well, take that back. At first, when the first the, ga- the game first started, Ole Miss gets the ball. They go all the way down the field. They get they get they get into fourth down situations twice. They go for it. They get it. They get down to a fourth and goal situation, or not? Is it fourth and goal or fourth and one? I can't remember. It was right there near the goal line, and they decide to go for it, and they don't get it. They get stopped, and Alabama gets the ball, goes down, and scores. And that just absolutely, I feel like, killed any momentum, any heart that. Ole Miss had in that game because when you play a team like Alabama you play a team that's high level like that a team that has been the giant and you're the you know David from David and Goliath story the little guy and you go and then you're looking like you got a shot and all of a sudden you got all this momentum and then all of a sudden bam they hit you real hard and they turn around and just flip it completely over on you it's demoralizing to a team and I kind of felt like that's exactly what happened I feel like Notre I mean Ole Miss once they got hit in the mouth with that they just they just didn't look right after that. And obviously Alabama's defense had a part in that. They looked better this game than I've seen them look. Probably for the most part of the season, they were flying around. They covered well for the most part. But uh, for overall, their defense looked good. Now Alabama's offense continues to look good under Bryce Young. He continues to perform well, throw the ball. But I think the biggest thing from this from Alabama's offense was seeing their rushing attack actually actually pick up and be able to get some major yards on the ground. And they were able to get most of what they want. And obviously that's a credit to Alabama, but also it's a slight at Ole Miss because their defense, They everybody kept talking about how improved, and including myself, everyone kept saying how improved this Ole Miss defense looked compared to last year. But to me, this defense looked just as bad as last year. I mean, Alabama got whatever they want whenever they wanted. We're able to move the ball, no problem whatsoever. So it's, it's obviously a comment of both. I feel like Alabama's offense has obviously been good all year, and this defense obviously just helped them out with that as well. So you got to give Alabama credit. They definitely look look the part, top two team in the nation. They stay at the one spot in my rankings because no one's obviously beaten them, and I don't I don't have intentions to move them as long as they continue to win games like this and look good. So that's exactly what they did in this. The only only concern I have, just like Nick Saban said, and obviously this is just this is nitpicking, just like it's nitpicking from Saban because he's a coach and that's what he does, but. He talked about Alabama being able to consistently sustain intensity for the whole game. And I think you saw that they were able to blank Ole Miss in the first half, but then the second half rolled around and they were able to get some going. And yeah, that was later in the game, but you could tell, I mean, the score wasn't completely just, it wasn't completely just blown out of the water where he still wasn't playing Bryce Young. I mean, he still had Bryce Young in there late into that game. And obviously for, I mean, he didn't feel comfortable enough yet to put in a backup. And they still had def- defensive starters out there, and they were able to finally get some momentum. Ole Miss was able to score 21 on them. So they looked good for, I would say, about a good three quarters. And then that last quarter, it was just it just wasn't as good. And I think that's kind of the similar situation that happened in that Florida game where Florida was able to wear them down and was able to take advantage of them in the second half. So similar situation, obviously – Ole Miss didn't have the defense to keep Alabama at bay like Florida did in that game, which is now looking very, very suspect considering that Florida got upset by Kentucky. So I won't get into that game, but I'll talk about that more later on when we get to the Georgia-Florida game and stuff like that. And it, To me, it's just funny, though. I mean, I will say this. Florida talks all this smack about losing by two points to Alabama and how they were going to cakewalk to the SEC championship against Alabama and – 
take down Georgia for the second year in a row, and you know you got Dan Mullen saying, "Oh, that's what people said last year that Georgia was going to win the East," and saying stuff like that, and then you can't even go to Kentucky and get a win. I mean, stuff like that always cracks me up, and I was happy. I mean, as as a Georgia fan, like I said, I try to stay as unbiased as possible when I talk about this stuff. But as a Georgia fan, that was obviously fun to see Dan Mullen continue to to drop games like that. And this is the he's the I think it was the first coach to lose to Kentucky twice in like the last thirty one years at Florida, and he's only been there like four years. So I mean, that was that's funny to me. He always. He always does this. He always runs his mouth, and then he ends up getting put, you know, put in a situation like this, and he has to eat it. And then obviously, he never wants to to, to take the blame for it. He wants to put it somewhere else and blame the mental toughness and not accept the fact that his offensive game plan and that was obviously suspect. But whatever, like I said, that's going on a rabbit trail. But like I said, similar situation with this. Ole Miss was able to wear down the Alabama the Alabama defense and finally get some points in the second half. So it'll be interesting to see. Later on down the line, Alabama plays more physical teams, say Arkansas, uh, maybe Texas A&M, physicality-wise, we'll be able to see if they'll be able to break them. I don't think A&M's got a prayer against Bama. I think Bama will blow them out by probably 30-plus points, but I just want to see if the same situation happens because if it does and you get later on the line and you had to play a SEC championship game versus Georgia, that can definitely be a problem because you got Georgia who does not get tired because they have so many guys at so many levels and so many positions where they just do not stop for a whole four quarters. So that's something that obviously that's I think that's something that Nick Saban sees as well because that's constantly what he keeps talking about. So that's my only area of concern if you're an Alabama fan or if you're just, you know, looking at Alabama in general. So obviously that's nitpicking and that's obviously something that can be improved on. They still got seven regular season games to go. So I mean we're still in the first half of the season, so Obviously nitpicking, but we're obviously starting to be able to see where teams' uh, consistent miscues are and where they need to adjust. So, anyways, moving on from there, going to the next game, and this is what a lot of, excuse me, a lot of people thought was going to be the game of the week was going to be a close game, a good matchup, and it ended up being nothing like that whatsoever. I didn't think it was going to be that close either. That was until I saw that Stetson Bennett was starting for Georgia and. Georgia ended up blowing out number eight Arkansas 37-0, even with Stetson Bennett in as quarterback, with JT Daniels still dealing with that lat injury and not able to play. So for me, this game, like I said, this is talking as unbiased as possible. I try to keep all my, my bias and stuff like that. Looking at this, Georgia looks absolutely like top two, if not best team in the country, just how they continue to play week in and week out. I mean, you go and have an Arkansas team – Right, number eight, who has dominated every single team they played, who has looked physical as any team in the whole entire country, had everyone behind Arkansas, and a lot of people even picking Arkansas in this game, and saying that they were going to put up, you know, put up a, a fight against Georgia, and Georgia just goes in and just straight up comes out and says, "You're not on our level whatsoever. Sit down, go back to Fayetteville. This game's over with." And it was twenty-one-zero by the end of the first quarter, and from there it. Arkansas was just able, never able to get off the ground. Georgia constantly lived in their backfield. The the defensive line was able to continually get sacks. The linebacker position was great being able to get pressure when they blitzed. The secondary even did a good job for Georgia, which has been something that a lot of people wondered how they were going to be against a guy like K.J. Jefferson who was going to be able to throw the ball a little bit down the field. And he was able to to get the ball off a couple of times, but the the secondary has done a way better job than what I feel like a lot of people thought they were going to be. So you got to give Kirby Smart credit for developing those guys quick. 
and making having that uh, having that group just looking the part finally. But I think a lot of it too helps being able to bring that secondary along is that you have that pressure constantly in the backfield against people's quarterbacks because they're not having much time to be able to sit and throw. They're having to either roll roll outside of the pocket or scramble outside the pocket and be able to throw the ball down the field. So that obviously helps the secondary being able to not have to worry about always constantly just defending the guy for so long because um, they're obviously instantly – the route's having to change because of the pressure in the backfield. So that's obviously helped some, and if – I mean, Georgia can continue to get pressure on anybody, anyone and anybody who they play the way they have been. The, I mean, you won't even have to worry about the secondary. You may not even hear about the secondary the whole rest of the year because, I mean, it's just absolutely crazy, I mean, how they're being able to fly around. And they just have so many guys. I mean, so many guys that can just play so many different positions. And, you, I mean, heck, you saw that in a play where Georgia's at the goal line at the one-yard line against Arkansas. They need to be able to run the ball in for a touchdown in the second half. And they put two defensive linemen in there, Jalen Carter and uh, – Jordan Davis right there, number, big boy number 99, be able to put them on the line. And you have a – I don't know if anybody's seen it. you got a picture of Jalen Carter blocking three guys at one time and just clearing a whole big gap for Zamir White to be able to run him for a touchdown. And, I mean, that's a guy who doesn't even play offense, and they just stick him on the line. I mean, that's just how Georgia is. They're so deep. They can just move guys around wherever they need to, and they can continue to, to – I mean, you blow a team a, – a, number eight team in the country out by 37 points and you hold them completely scoreless. That is absolutely impressive. And like I said, to to me, just looking at every team play, Georgia, Alabama, I just feel like comfortably saying that Georgia's looked like the better team in the country. With that said, I will not move them to that one spot, not until, like I said, until Alabama's beat. You cannot move. You have to beat, beat the man to, you know, if you want to be the man, you have to beat the man type mentality. And so that's the way I see it. If Georgia's going to, be number one. Alabama's either going to have to lose or Georgia's going to have to beat Alabama when they get to Atlanta in the SEC championship game. And obviously there's a lot of football that's still got to be played. Stuff can happen. Accidents can happen. But just looking at both of these teams, it just does, it, it looks like there's just a whole other level that they're on compared to everybody else. And I don't see that. I just don't see that changing. I mean, you saw Oregon. A lot of people thought Oregon was the next best, you know, chance of having a team that would be able to compete with those. And obviously that was not the case. Oregon ends up losing to Stanford. And you go down the line, I think the only other team that might be able to give a team some fits a little bit might be Iowa because of how good their their secondary is and how good their defense is. But the problem is that I just don't think, once again, playing against these types of these types of defenses that Georgia and Alabama, that Georgia and Alabama possess, I don't think they would be able to score as much as they would need to to be able to, you know, keep up with these teams because eventually these teams are going to score they will out physical physical you they will make holes and they will be able to run the ball at some point they will be able to throw the ball at some point and like i said i think Iowa's about the only team i feel comfortable saying that we could even compete maybe even a little bit for a half or so i mean penn state i just don't think they have it with their offense it's just not there obviously we know oklahoma is still struggling they only beat kansas state by six this week and so they continue to fall down our rankings and a lot of other people's rankings. And then, like I said, with Cincinnati, you just don't know if you just don't know if they're going to have the offense to be able to compete as well. So there's still a lot of question marks out there for everybody else, and that's why I keep telling people I think it's just one and two, and then everybody else. So I mean, like I said, a lot of season to go, go, but that's where I'm standing right now, looking at every everything from the outside in. So we'll definitely keep you up updated with more. 
action that happens, and we'll keep you up to date, obviously, with our preview and prediction show. That'll come out Saturday. That's going to be covering a lot of big games. we got Penn State and Iowa, so number three versus number four. And then you got a you know Georgia and Auburn, so you got you got some big games this week and some different conferences, ones that are not just changing the national stage, but that are changing the conference perspective as well. So definitely going to have you updated with that. We'll have our preview and predictions article that'll come out, so that way if you would rather read our predictions and stuff, that'll be on that'll be on Friday at ten o'clock. That'll come out, and then if you want the episode, we obviously release that at eight o'clock Saturday morning before football kicks off, so you have plenty of time to listen to it and be able to to. Just have an idea of what's going to go on with all the action. So that's what we got for today in the sports section. But outside of that, going to kind of move over real quick and talk about what's been going on in the political realm real quick. This is going to be real short and just kind of just give you an idea of what's going on. But something that's absolutely crazy, the Democrats just continue to force COVID vaccine mandates and just their COVID craziness that they have just on the whole on their populations and who they control. I mean, who they are, who they reside over i guess you would say and we're looking over at california we got gavin newsom after he wins that recall election just after a couple weeks he's now mandated vaccines for all eligible school children and right now i think that only falls roughly in between the i think it's like 15 to 18 or somewhere in that general maybe it's 12 or older in that in that current frame right now but he's already said this will extend even further when it gets approved for kids that are younger. So you'll have kids that are, I mean, from five years old and up at some point, because you know they're going to approve it at some point, that you'll have these kids that are getting vaccinated when the science doesn't even meet the meet the standard for them to be even mandating stuff like this. I mean, kids have higher percentage chances of dying from car wrecks, accidents, other stuff of that nature than they do of COVID. And here we are continually putting mandates out that they have to wear masks, that they have to get vaccinated, and it just does not make sense whatsoever. And that's why I keep telling people, if you're in a blue state, if you're in the area where the craziness of this type of stuff is going on, I know it's hard to do, and I know it's easier said than done, but I encourage you to find a red state, find a place where you can get out of this type of craziness and what's going on. I mean, they've already in California mandated that you have a vaccine passport to go into certain areas. Uh, I think L.A. County is the one that, that put it in place right after Newsom was won the recall election and obviously that's that just shows that elections have consequences so they uh once they won that that recall election they feel okay we're we're good we can put whatever we want in they don't care at this point because i mean they saw that they end up winning by i mean a a good majority i think it was a 63 percent that he got to stay in office there so i mean they feel real comfortable just pushing stuff like that now that's why i tell people if you're of a sane mind if you're of a conservative viewpoint and you don't agree with this stuff get out i mean like i said i know it's easier said than done but are you going to continue to live under these type of tyrannical people and live with these type of crazy mandates and accept them putting chemicals in your child's body that they don't even need that there's not a justification for whatsoever. I mean, what are you going to do? Vaccinate your children so they go from 99.9% chance of survival to a 99.9% chance of survival? I mean, it's absolute insanity. And they're obviously not going to stop. I'll give you like another example. Fauci was on some news station, one of the mainstream media news stations, given an interview, and they asked him, uh, do you think we'll be able to be around our families for Christmas this year, considering we weren't we weren't able to last year? And he said, well, I'm just not sure yet. We'll have to see where we're at. I don't want to jump ahead of conclusions. We just need to continue to see case numbers fall. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I mean, where I'm at, 
I'm in a George. I'm in the Georgia Alabama area. There has been nothing different that has happened here during the whole COVID COVID thing. I think I had to wear a mask a couple of times when it first started out, but ever since then I haven't wore a mask. And my life has continued on as normal. I go to restaurants if I want to. I don't have to show any proof of vaccination. I just continue to. I mean, I've done my life just as normal as possible. And here they are saying that we. Here we are in year two of this, and they're saying that we may not even still be able to go see our families. I mean, they're not even in touch with reality when it comes to this type of stuff that they continue to put out and they continue to say that we need to do. I mean, I spent last Christmas with my family, with both sides of my family, and spent Easter Christmas last year with both sides of my family and we'll spend spent Easter this side you know this year with both sides of my family and we'll spend Thanksgiving and Christmas with both sides of my family this year and I'm not going to have a a idiot who continues to be wrong on anything he continues to put out in terms of COVID information and that type of stuff and can, he's just so wrong about it. I'm not going to have him dictate my life and what I do. Life's too short to have someone like that dictate what we do. I mean I've heard of so many different stories of people saying where they had someone die and they wish that they hadn't they hadn't wasted that time being away from them due to covid where i mean i don't want to have that type of story happen with me where i just regret not being around my family because of a disease that is now being compared in some countries same countries to the flu at this point because you're having similar mortality rates now at this point and you're having similar outbreaks in terms of seasonality so i mean i'm just not going to listen to these idiots and continue to abide by it so uh, another thing I was going to say real quick, talking about if you're in these blue states and you just are not able to get out, it's not a feasible possibility for you. Look at possibly homeschooling your child. I know that's that's tedious. I know that's not something anyone wants to do because it can be – I mean, sure, some people want to do it. Don't get me wrong. But it's definitely a harder challenge. It's harder to teach your kids. But it may be something that you need to do because it would be obviously good for your child to get out of that craziness. Because we all know what they're teaching in the schools in California and places like this as well. But it also keeps you to have the the ability to to know what goes in your child's body and also goes in your child's ears and what they're getting in terms of information from their school. So I would definitely encourage you to do that. And the going and what I was talking about with having the choice of what your child hears and what goes in their body as well. The Democrats do not care. We've already seen where the, where these different people that are in charge, like the one of the 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 candidates for Virginia's governorship from the Democrat side, has already said that he doesn't believe that parents should have any say in what the schools teach their children. And the same thing has been said by some of Biden's higher ups in his educa- his the administration in terms of education and what they're talking about. So we're sitting here looking at that, and they just do not care what you have to say as a parent. And so if they don't care that you are the pri- you are the primary caregiver and the primary responsibility of is your child, and they don't care about that, they don't care what you have to say. You're obviously not in a place that you you're, you shouldn't be in that place because it's not good for your child and it's also not good for you and your well-being wondering what's constantly going in and out of, of their mind and what they're hearing from these type of people. So they don't care about you. Obviously, they don't care about your rights. They don't, at this point, they don't care about your children. They don't care about what you have to say about your children. And so I would just encourage you find ways to be able to get around this stuff because if, if you – 
if you're stuck in that area, like I said, homeschool. If you can get out of that area, get out of that area as fast as you possibly can because it's it's would be better for yourself, also better for your children, and you can also go to a place where you can reinforce what you already believe from a conservative standpoint and be able to vote that same way in that area and make conservative strongholds. I, I mean, I know some people say, oh, we need to go and we need to be in these areas where we can talk to these people. You're not changing these people's minds. You're you're not. You're just you're obviously just going to be looked at in a funny way you're going to be continue to be ignored they're not going to listen to you and they're going to continue to do what they want they're not changing their mind and the only thing that's really going to change their mind is when they can see the destruction of these policies come to fruition and that's why you've already seen some people that are starting to wake up when it comes to this stuff and when it's come to the absolute disaster that the biden administration has been but I mean, it, it, some people, it's really just going to take absolute destruction for them to realize that these policies don't work and that this system that they think they want is, does not work as well. And so California's obviously gone down, downhill. You've seen more people be uh, upset with the type of system that's been in place over there, and that's why you've seen a recall election over there. But obviously it's going to take a little more over there because that's just where the absolute blue nuts are at over there when it when it comes to Democrats over there, so uh, you're obviously seeing you're obviously seeing a shift though around the country and different different people in different areas saying that they've had enough of this, even just the common folk. So uh, that's obviously been good, but it's going to take in some areas it's going to take the absolute destruction of these places. So by you getting out of there and letting them reinforce what they want, and you can go to a place that's a red area and reinforce what you actually want and what is good, best for you, and having the opportunity to decide for yourself, it's going to help them realize they're wrong quicker, but it's also going to keep you sane and in a better position to be able to raise your family the way you feel feel best and obviously keep your sanity while you're at it not having to continually fight over every single thing. Now, we'll have to fight, obviously, because we have to keep our freedom, but you won't have to sit here and feel like you're obviously, you're constantly being being attacked for every little thing that you're doing, so... That's just my opinion on that. Something, a little two cents to throw in there, but that's what's the craziness that's going on with the Democrats on the COVID front right now. And we'll obviously have more on that because we obviously know they're not going to stop on this front anytime soon. But other than that, looking at this is just going to be real short. Talk about this already went a little bit longer than I thought I was going to, but talking about the the infrastructure bill and the three point five trillion dollar reconciliation package. We already know that Mansion and Cinema have said no to the amount of the 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 reconciliation package they're not going to go with that amount of money they feel like the democrats have already spent too much this year and so with that happening we've seen now the progressives in the democratic party in the house and the senate say that they because they already said that these two bills were going to be attached to each other they have now said since they're not going to agree to that and we're not going to take a vote on the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, we are not going to vote on the infrastructure package. So now that they don't have the vote for that as well, Pelosi now pulled the vote, which was supposed to be Monday last week, and then got moved to Thursday and then got moved to Friday and then now has gotten moved again into a point that we don't even know at at this at this point in time. So there's obviously some serious infighting that's going on with the Democratic Party on this because you have you do have two sides when it comes to the Democratic Party. You have basically the socialist communist side of the party and then you have the old school Democrats that are obviously not budging on it and you have to applaud them. Even though I don't agree with the policies that they still stand on, they're obviously still not as far gone as the like I said, the the communist and the the socialists that are that are in the Democratic Party. So we'll obviously keep you updated when they when we have more information when they have a vote on this type of stuff and 
keep you updated with what the politicians are saying and what any developments are with this because this is obviously a big deal if they can get something like this passed i mean it's not going to be not going to be good at all for america in any any way form facet and it's just going to be absolutely destructive and continue to add more money to our to our debt and also add more socialist you know stuff that we don't even need into our country that's just going to take away and keep giving handouts and just continue to cause destruction in our country and make it even worse than it already is at this point make it continually worse from what this administration has continued to do so with that said though like i said i just wanted to keep it brief today we'll have our next episode on thursday do not miss it we're going to have an nba preview and we'll have some more politics for you as well so don't miss that if you enjoyed today's episode please i encourage you to share our video or share our episodes with other people so that people that are looking for this type of content can find it and be able to listen to it and help us grow along the way if you're looking for more information, you want any more sports articles, anything like that, please go to our website at therevolutionsports.com. You can also find all our social media page links on there. Just click on the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram uh, icon on that are on the page, and it'll take you straight to our social media pages. You can follow and like us from there. And you know just be able to see all breaking news any information that we post on what goes on throughout the week that's where we post the article links all that type of good stuff our podcast links all that so definitely follow that please share it continue to help us as we grow and continue to move forward in this quest and fighting back against our this just absolute insanity going on in our country but with that said i thank you for joining us today and we'll see you in the next episode thursday